Thank you, Jesse. And you did that so well. My gosh. My gosh. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, have, I missed last Sunday. I hear that uh, Dennis did a great job on the affirmation of the Father on Father's Day. And sorry I missed that. Of course, I can get it on the podcast and what have you. Um, I, I seem to have been uh, gadding around a bit. I was at Forest Town Church doing a training on evangelism, and they all send their greetings. And then we were at Fairfield Evangelical Church last weekend, too, doing a, a healing thing. And then they send all their greetings. And the thing I think I'm most excited about when I visit is when people come to Christ. We had a number of people come to Christ at all those events. So, you know, we had a great time away, and then I hear that you had a good time here. So it's a win-win situation. I think, though, one of the highlights has to be on Tuesday. Some of you, if you follow me on my tweet, will know that uh, I and Richard Gathard and Kev Nash, we were up at uh, uh, the House of Parliament at the National uh, Prayer Breakfast. It is such an honor and privileged to be invited to that, and we've been there a few times now. And you know, 700 of us gather together in St. Stephen's Hall, and um, you know, there's a lovely breakfast, and, and there's just leaders from all over the country, and they get together and we pray for the nation. It was just such a wonderful thing. And this time was a little special in that the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, who has never been before uh, in uh, you know any of the previous archbishops, he was there. He was giving the keynote address. And uh, in fact, the website, can we just go straight to that little sign? The website, if you'd like to hear what the, the Archbishop of Canterbury said, it's at www, there we are, wnationalprayerbreakfast.org.uk. Just go to that and it's straight there. And, you know, Archbishop Justin Web- Welby spoke on you know, the, the, the uh, global church in the 21st century and it really was great. And then to pray after that together, you know, it was a wonderful thing. David Cameron was there, Miliband, and various other lords and ladies and dignitaries. It really was quite something to be at. But, you know, I came away feeling great gratitude and a great sense of privilege that, you know, to be counted in that group to pray, uh, but also excited that this Sunday we would, be, we would resume our Day and Night Until series. And that's, of course, on, on intercession, prayer and intercession. And we're, we're trying to raise our game as a church in terms of prayer and intercession. And if you missed the first part of that series, well, then it's on the podcast. It's on the, you know, the apps and the website. And you can catch up with all of that. It's all good stuff. I'm not going to do a, a recap, take too long. But let's pray, and we'll get straight into the, today's message. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you for your presence here. Thank you that, Lord God, if if all that we ever did was just worship as we've done this morning already, this afternoon, uh, then, Lord God, it would would be enough because you are worthy of all honor and glory and to come together and to lift up our voices and to sing truth about you and to you is a wonderful privilege and we thank you for that. But now, Lord, I ask the help of your Holy Spirit just to communicate so that we can take prayer in this church and in our private personal lives to a whole new level. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, this, uh, this talk is, I, I get the enormous privilege. We were, those on the, who are on the current preaching team are fighting to get this one, but I pull rank. And so... Uh, I'm going to actually preach on what we call the Lord's Prayer, or some have called it, actually probably more accurately, the Disciples' Prayer. So I'm going to get to to speak about that. And uh, uh, there are two uh, references, two examples of the Lord's Prayer, one in Luke chapter 11, and uh, we've looked at that before. Uh, So this time we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, 
And so would you read with me or follow on your smart devices or whatever? Uh, it'll come up on the screens too. Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 9 to 13. And uh, it goes like this. Glasses on. My wife says, you must wear your glasses, Chris. Must wear your glasses. So here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That prayer will probably be prayed 100,000, who knows, two or three million times today in you know, all sorts of situations. Obviously, uh, in English churches, but in Scottish, Irish, Welsh churches, on the continent, in uh, Africa, North America, every continent on the face of this earth, there will be brothers and sisters in Christ praying that prayer together. And it's something, uh, it's one of many things in the Christian faith that binds us together. And uh, it's a great privilege and a great gift from the Lord to give us this, this prayer to pray and to use. But it's interesting because, uh, you know, the, uh, the whole business of prayer is something that we all feel we ought to do. If you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, you feel you ought to pray. And in fact, there are seasons when you want to pray. But actually, prayer does not come easily. I like what the old Jewish rabbis used to say. In fact, for all I know, they still do. They used to call prayer, and I've written it down. I'm not a, a Hebrew scholar, but I wrote this down because I wanted to get this right for you. Avodat Shevolev. Avodat Shevolev. Avodat is, is prayer, and Shevolev is of the heart. It's, it's prayer of the heart. It's, it's work of the heart. That's more the sense of it. It's heart work. And that's not exercising, you know, it's sort of that kind of thing. This is the thing that is actually takes some application. It, it, it's something we need to do to exercise ourselves. And in fact, you know, the old Jewish rabbis, and again, they may still do for all I know, when they awoke, before they uttered a word, they would go through a hundred blessings of God. Kind of a bit of a ritual, I must admit, but there was this kind of liturgy, a hundred blessings of God, and it would begin with, thank you for opening my eyes. You know, literally, as they opened their eyes, they would say, thank you for opening my eyes, you know, and then they would thank God for all day and every, before they uttered a word, before they said, well, Lord, I got this really important meeting to, today, I really need your help with that. All of that's great, and we'll come on to that in just a moment, but, but they began by honoring God. They began by honoring God. And uh, so this prayer here is, is, is very rich and it's interesting how Jesus introduces it. He says, then this then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. And actually, there is a structure to this. It's drawn on his rabbinic tradition, Jesus' rabbinic tradition, but there is a structure to here. Uh, and it's interesting. In fact, those of you, may, some of you may already know that the, the structure is, is three prayers towards God and his kingdom and his concerns, and then three prayers for us and our, our daily needs. It, it, it's so often lost in my prayers, I don't know about yours, but you know, I pray this prayer daily and have done for many a long year, and, and it forms the basis of my prayer, but very often I, I just kind of rattle it off rote, you know, to my shame. You know, our Father in heaven, that be our name, our kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. If it's our daily bread and forgive us not our sins, we forgive those who trust us against us. Now I can go and brush my teeth. 
done my prayers, had my quiet time, there we are. You know, uh, it's not that bad, you'll be pleased to know. But, um, you know, you kind of rattle these things off. You know, there's that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Well, I certainly don't contempt this, but, but you know, something that's very familiar can sometimes become a little bit too familiar. And so I'm grateful for myself for this reminder. And it begins with, of course, you know, this then is how you should pray. And, and Jesus has already set the scene. This prayer, this teaching comes in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps you'd like to look through that this afternoon or sometime this week. It'll only take you 15 or 20 minutes to read the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's not like a big mission, but it's so, you know, it's so, uh, so significant, so influential. You know. The Sermon on the Mount has informed the way nations have been set up. It's a tremendous passage. And prior to this little bit of teaching here, Jesus talks about prayer. And he says, you know, you should pray with simplicity. Simplicity is, you know, there needs to be structure, but you should pray with simplicity. He says, do not pray like the hypocrites. You know, lots of verbiosity and, you know, public places and lots of show and all the sham and all the rest of it. You know, this is, this is an intimate act. You know, you're... You're, you're, you need to take your say wait, somewhere quiet, you know, somewhere where you can get a little focus and, and snatch a few moments and, and be, be, be one-on-one with God. You know, so none of this sort of great show and flash and all the rest of it. And the other thing he says is don't be like the pagans who repeat their prayers, you know, again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And in pagan worship, very often there's this sense that if we could just pray enough, we're kind of slowly pumping, you know, filling a tank of prayer. Keep going, keep repeating it, keep repeating it, keep repeating it. Finally, bang, you know, we get, we get lift off or something. It's like, you know, like you weigh out the prayer. And Jesus said, you know, <laughs> it's not like that, you know. Be persistent in prayer. But don't think by merely praying by rote and repeating things like a parrot is going to impress God. Because this is born out of relationship, which is why the prayer begins, as you well know, with our Father. Our Father. And, uh, you know, the Christians weren't the first to call God our Father. In fact, there was a sense in the Exodus, and of course we've just done a, a series on the Exodus, there was a sense as early as as the Exodus, that, that Israel began to perceive God as mother and father, you know, more than El Shaddai, God Almighty, and he is God Almighty. But they began to see that they had relationship, and that relationship was like a child, father-child. And, and so this concept of a fatherhood, the fatherhood of God, had begun to emerge, but then Jesus crystallized it. And he said, when you pray... You know, don't pray like the pagans do. Don't pray like these hypocrites do. Just say, Father, our Father in heaven. And so the prayer, the work of prayer, and it is work, you know, the, the work of prayer is done on the back of relationship. It's us doing business with God our Father as members of his family, members, of, as it were, of the family business, and we like to use that expression in Vineyard. We talk about all that we're about, all this busyness that we do is, is all part of the family business. So we begin in relationship, making time to come to God and to honor him and then bring our concerns. And that's pretty much the whole of what I'm going to be speaking on for the next 20 minutes, and then we're done. So let's just look at it then. Let's break this down a little bit. 
So uh, I think I'll, I'll go back to the text and I'll read Matthew, the first half of this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. And that's the first three prayers. Let's read that then. Matthew 6, 9 to 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Those are the three prayers directed to God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then there's the comment on earth as it is in heaven. One or two commentators say that perhaps it should be prayed uh, along the lines of, uh, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The emphasis being on God's will, God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign being here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I didn't do this at the first service, and this, prob- this may pr- prove to be disastrous, but let's just ask a question. If God's kingdom was manifest here now, in the 21st century, you know, like the bishop said, if it was here in St. Albans in Hertfordshire, if, if God was present and if his kingdom was on earth as it is in heaven, what would that look like? What, what, what elements would we be experiencing and seeing? Just shout them out, random. No, no wrong thoughts. Just, just let's see what, what comes out of it. Sorry? Love. Thank you. Yep, the kingdom of love. Somebody said something over here. Peace. Peace. Kingdom of love, kingdom of peace. Sorry, <laughs> thick and fast rule. Somebody over here? Joy, Joy thank you. Healing, Healing. health. No, no what? Tears. No tears. What was that? Kindness. Kindness. Wonderful. You see, when Jesus... Um, came in, in his manifesto in Luke chapter 4. I know Wendy Houston's going to be preaching on that a little bit later on, Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. Uh, you know, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That'd be good hope message for the poor. To pro- proclaim freedom from captives. You know. Uh, And he painted this picture drawn on Isaiah of God's kingdom. The quality, we've communicated qualities and, and, and that absolutely has to be the hallmark of the kingdom of God, doesn't it? It really does. What sort of things would we be doing if, if God's kingdom was... If we, if we were beginning to manifest all of that, what sort of things, what would it look like? How would people interact with the church? What would the church be doing? Worshipping God. Everybody would be the church. Be in the church. Everybody would be the church. We'd be on the streets. Preaching. Feeding the hungry. Thank you. Healing the sick. That would be happening, wouldn't it? You know, I, I, I'm excited because I think in some small way we're seeing all of that, everything you've said. 
Not just in this church, but in the church. You know, I met guys on, um, I mean, Richard went to a seminar, didn't you, uh, on slavery. And they set up this project, um, this was at the National Prayer Breakfast, and the guy there spoke on it. I'm sure that seminar is probably, would that be available on the website? It isn't. Well, there was a guy there who set up a project to um, set slaves free. You know, slavery is at its highest internationally that it has ever been. And in, was it, did you see, I know there was 104 people were set fr- free, but how long did they? Oh, it was Kev that went to that one, sorry. Well, Kev was saying that, that in, yeah, in, in three days they set for, no, no. I think it was something like um, in Bedford, they, they set up this project and within six months they had set 104 people free from slavery. There were two Asian, a man and a wife, and their hands were like claws. And their hands had, had what had happened was they had been trafficked into the country then they'd be sent out into fields with no tools as part of gangs to, to, to dig and what have you. They had to dig with their hands. They, it broke their knuckles. It broke their fingers. They weren't allowed to get medical help because that would have given the game away in terms of the slavery. And so their hands set like claws. This is Bedfordshire. This, this is Hertfordshire. You know, this is ghastly, isn't it? And so, these qualities of love and peace and joy and healing and being on the streets uh, are beginning to be worked out. You know, it wasn't like that when I first became a Christian 30 years ago. We weren't doing those kind of things. We were just kind of singing songs and preaching. But, you know, uh, and that's great, but, but you know, we're getting involved in so many things. And, and it is wonderful to see that happening. And God is leading us into this place, your kingdom come, you know. And, and so we look at these three prayers. It's right that we pray them. This is a good season to be praying these three things. First of all, you know, hallowed be your name. Let your name be honored. When I was teaching the evangelism class the other week, or, or conference thing, um, one of the things that struck me as I was preparing again for that, having not taught on that subject for quite some while, was that, you know, at the very heart of evangelism, yes, there's the love of God, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life, the love of God. But actually, there is a subplot all of that, and that's about God's glory, God being honored, because wherever God is denied, wherever his kingdom, his kingship or his lordship is denied, it's like there's a black hole, you know, The earth, and we've sung it this morning, I think, you know, the earth declares the glory of God. This was made, we are made in his image. We are made with him and for him and through him and sustained by him. And we're supposed to model his values, the love, the peace, the joy, the kindness, all these things that we've we've shared this morning together. And yet, you know, wherever that is denied, wherever that is, is thwarted, wherever, you know, uh, we, we, as humanity, behave in a way where we enslave others and we deal, you know, it's like that, that is a denial of God's glory. He is not hallowed in those places. He's not revered. We as the church of Jesus Christ are called to pray and to work to see God's name honored. And it, it's, it, you know, you would do, and I'm thinking about this, we would do well to consider that about God's glory and how we can further that and enhance and work towards enhancing the reputation of God's name. 
So that's the first prayer, hallowed be your name. The second is this, your kingdom come. We've already spoken about that. You know, the funny thing is somebody came to me this week and said, we were talking about the, um, you know, the growing family campaign. Incidentally, uh, I asked Karen on, on Friday, we have raised, the tally thus far is 607,000 pounds in the last 12 weeks. I have never, you know, and I've been doing so well, and we've had some capital campaigns, I've never seen so much money come in so quickly from you guys, so give yourselves a, a round of applause. And uh, one of the directors, Tim, who I think I saw here earlier on, uh, Tim Winfield, one of the directors, said to me, he said, you know, a lot of people were, uh, are saying to me, when do I need to give what by when? And, you know, we work to deadlines and there's sort of ices and things like that. And, and uh, so I, I, I had a little, did a few sums. And I think we probably, if we could get two, another 200,000 in by the end of July, and that would be based on what we have done about right, uh, you know, 200,000 a month. If we could do that, then I think we'd probably be about where we want to be. We could then, you know, put in a, 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 a serious offer on one of these places. So if you're looking for the, you know, the deadline, that's the deadline. Let's try and raise another couple hundred thousand by the end of July. And I think that will probably get us in through the door. But the point is that all of this, all this growing family campaign, is it's more than, you know, more children's room or, or, or a, a youth center. Gosh, we need one of those. It's more than feeding the poor. The, these are expressions of God's kingdom. It's about actually you know, pursuing God and saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And what does that look like for us here? Does it, does it look like the same again as we did yesterday? Or is it pushing the boundaries? Is it taking this place? Is it developing a presence uh, uh, over and beyond that which we currently have. One of the churches in the vineyard called Causeway Coast Vineyard, it's up in Northern Ireland, uh, they've just had a 1,000 people come to Christ in the last 116 days. Absolutely phenomenal. A 1,000 people in the last uh, 116 days. They have bought a street. I'll say that again. They have bought a street. Now, admittedly, the housing there doesn't cost £350,000 and up. You know, it's a lot cheaper. But they were offered a... a count, the council came to them because they're very active in the community and they've got a lot of street credibility. And so they have bought this street, or in the process of buying this street, and what they intend to do is manage it and, and you know, sow people into it, but also invite people who are struggling with housing. Just to model God's kingdom... Wouldn't you like to live in a place where the kingdom of God was manifest in the community and not just in church on a Sunday from 11.30 till quarter to one? Wouldn't that be cool? To, lit, to help build a society, to build a community that is, is modeling God's kingdom. And that's, you know, all of this kind of, you know, trying to you know, do our little bit to grow here and what have you. That's, it's all about modeling God's kingdom, being able to do more of the stuff that brings honor to God and relief to people so that they can find this Christ, this Savior who, who loves them so. So that's the second part of it. You know, it's complex, isn't it? You rattle this prayer off on a daily basis, but there's so much in it. You know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. You know, I get a little tired at times, you know, as we all do. 
about with, with politicians telling me what's good for me. And I sometimes feel good about it, and sometimes I have a bad feeling about that. Everybody has an opinion about what should be done and who should do what and how we should do it and how we should go about this and how we should go about that. We're besieged with information and advice. Do you know what? I want to know what God wants. I want to know God's will. That's the one I want to have seen and be done. And so of all the prayers and whatever things we may give our time to and our energy and our money, I want to say and I want to pray, Father, (laughs) yep, hush up everybody. Father, your will be done. What do you say about this? What do you say about trafficking? What do you say about education? What do you say about our schools? What do you say about our social action? What do you say about our worship? What do you say about our word? Etc. 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 I want God's will and way to be done. And that's what Jesus encourages us to pray in the midst of the kind of white noise, the that's besieging us all the time. This uh, wants our attention. That wants our attention. Let's press into God. Begin your day pressing into God, finding out you know, what his will is, and then asking him to do that. So these are the three opening prayers, the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Begin the day, begin the prayer, centering on God, calibrating yourself before the, the world crashes in upon you, upon God's plans and his purposes. Then move on from that. Move on from that. Jesus says this then is how you should pray. On to the second half. And we'll look at that Matthew chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. And he goes on to say, Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, after all that, that high bar of prayer, about honoring God and his kingdom, his will, you know, one might be tempted. And I've heard people over the years many times have said to me, do you know, uh, I, I, I try and worship God, but, but no, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't really like asking God for things because he's got far more important things on. And, and you know, he's, I know he's a very busy bloke and uh, I don't want to, pe- you know, I mean, I'm hamming it up, but... There is this sense whereby when we begin to catch a glimpse of who God is and what he's about and the expansiveness of his vision. You know, I had somebody come up to me literally just 20 minutes ago when I was having coffee before the service began, 30 minutes ago. And they said, you know, I've been listening to all the talks about the Growing Family Campaign. He said, it's not just about the feed and the the kids, is it? And I said, no, it isn't. He said, it's about God's kingdom coming in this place. I said, yes. And he said, I got it. I said, well, thank goodness for that, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when we're focused on all that, you know, it can be like, oh, I can't bother God with these things. And yet, in the very prayer that Jesus gives us, saying this is how you should pray, there it is, the kind of thing that family talks about. Remember, we began by saying, our Father, our Father. Jesus says to us, he says, you know, in the second part, he says, pray this. Give us today our daily bread. Oh, God, help me to pay the rent. Oh, God, may my car get through its MOT today. Oh, God, may I be able to pay that bill. Oh, God, help me to get through this. You know, all, all those things that people struggle with. God, help me pay the mortgage. God, 
my boiler has blown up, or, or packed up, not blown up, packed up for the umpteenth time. Please, God, please, help me to get this thing fixed. All these things, you know. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, I love this verse. It says, cast all your anxious thoughts upon God, for he cares for you. Well, you know, caught off guard and on the wrong moment, and, you know, I, I can be as anxious as the next man. It is good to know that my father says to me, bring that to me, son. Yeah, bring that too. Bring that to me. Cast all your anxious thoughts upon God because he cares for you. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, you know, pray for, the, pray for life's necessities. Give us today our daily bread. It's okay. You can do that. You can do that. God isn't so big that he can't stoop down to answer your prayer. Second thing in this second section, it says here, and forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses, as it says in some translations, as we also have forgiven our debtors, our sins, our trespasses. You know, this is about sin. This is about the sin that all of us have committed, you know. You know, it was funny, Archbishop Justin Welby on Sunday, uh, on Tuesday rather, he said this. He said, I was, I was preaching and I, I preached that very thing, you know, about, you know, forgiving others as we ourselves are forgiven. And I said, you know, I said to the congregation, I said, you know, you're all sinners. <laughs> and so am I. And, you know, people sort of politely giggled, you know. And afterwards, this woman came up to him and poked him in the chest and said, I would never have come if I'd known that you were a sinner. And she was serious. Oh, my gosh. You know? And, uh, you know, people are funny, aren't they? But we have all sinned. Romans says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need God's forgiveness. And that's what this is addressing, that, that keeping a sh what I call a short account with God. Don't leave it. If you've sinned, deal with it. Repent of it. Ask God to forgive you for it. But there is a condition. We are to ask God's forgiveness in the spirit of forgiveness. We are to ask God's forgiveness in the spirit of forgiveness. That means that if you are holding any kind of a grudge against anyone, no matter how justified you feel, you have got to forgive them. That may not be good news to you. But you have got to forgive them. Your forgiveness depends on your willingness to forgive. It's not just ask God for, to get, for, forgive your trespasses. It's ask God to forgive your trespasses in the spirit of forgiveness. I had a chap come up to me again 35 minutes ago now in the coffee break. A guy I respect, I've known for quite some time. He caught my arm while I was getting a coffee from the Chai Cafe. And he said, thank you for that, Chris. I needed to hear that. And I said, oh, really? Uh, thank you. And he said, no, no, seriously, the forgiveness thing. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, I really need to forgive someone. I don't want to. I really don't want to. But God spoke to me. I need to forgive. And brothers and sisters, if that's where you're at, you need to forgive. To forgive is to, is to pray a blessing upon them. To forgive is to release them. Not to keep revisiting like a, a dog coming back to its vomit, as the scripture sometimes refers to it. We, we don't come back to that. Leave it. Let it go. Release that person. Set them free from the malice you feel towards them. 
the bitterness you feel towards them. You may be justified. There may be a whole host of friends and allies who will pat you on the back and say, that was terrible, we agree with you. And we do. But the reality is at the end of the day, you must forgive them. And so as we pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. As we do that, as we do that, and as we ask others to help us do that, it ain't easy. Tell me about it. But as we do that, we come to the Lord and say, forgive me my sin. Forgive me my sin as I forgive others. It's part and parcel of that whole, that whole uh, exchange. So that's the, and there's one, that, there's one last thing to do, and it's this, and it says, Jesus says, pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, God does not tempt. He is not the tempter. But Jesus said, in this life, you will know trials and tribulations, But even Jesus, knowing that, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, cried out to God, he prayed, he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew he was going to go to the cross. And it's okay, knowing that, to say, Father, if there's any other way, please, may I not have to go through this. And if you're not going through something at the moment, if actually life is just ticking along quite nicely, thank you very much, well, God bless you, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's wise to pray, Lord, may I not suddenly find myself going through some terrible trial. Oh, God, you know, keep me from these things. Protect me. Robbie Dawkins, when he was speaking a few, few weeks ago, encouraged us to pray, Lord, protect me, you know. And the whole idea of protection is you're going to go through things. We need protection. And that's, that's more the kind of spirit of this, you know, protect me, Lord. Keep me from the evil one who will try and exploit these things to ruin me. Lord, help me when I go through times of testing and trial. And Lord, if it's at all possible to, to kind of skirt around them, oh, well, thank you. It's tremendously human, this prayer. Tremendously realistic. I, you know, God, you are God, but I still need to pay the rent. It's okay to pray that. Lord, I want to be, I need forgiveness. Please forgive me, but I don't want to forgive that person. Son, you've got to forgive that person. Oh, Lord, you've said that there's going to be trials and tribulations. Lord, please don't put me to the test. Please, it's okay to pray that. And Lord, when the enemy comes, when trials do come, deliver me, protect me. This, this is a wonderful prayer. It's, it's simplicity and complexity all at the same time. And so there you have it then, the Lord's Prayer. Something that is absolutely uh, practical. Something that understands us. It's another one of those occasions where you can say the book reads us. The book knows us. The book knows what we're like. Jesus, God, our Father, knows what we're like. He knows what we really need to pray. He knows that we need to bring ourselves before him. We we need to acknowledge and recognize him. But then in the context of that relationship, then we can bring all our anxieties to him. We would normally at this point, uh, I'd say a prayer, and then the band would come up. We're going to do something very slightly different. Uh, We're going to put into practice in one sense what we've just done and Uh, We found this little meditative video clip of the Lord's Prayer. So I will pray now, but then the team are going to run that, the AV team, 
and uh, just use it. Um, I hope it'll do more than entertain you. I, I hope that you may be able to sort of reflect on what you've just heard as we, as we go through this short video clip uh, and, and use it in an appropriate way. So let me just pray. Father, I want to say thank you to you. You know what we're like. You know what we're need, we need. And I pray, Lord God, that this word will settle on our hearts and do some good. May we be ready for this word. And may we, Lord, step up to make the most of this word and to see your kingdom come, your will be done, and the honor of your name established in this nation. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you.